You know, Jesus says that love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, if you don't love yourself, how do you love your neighbor? So, yeah, it's it's hard. I, I struggle with that to give grace to myself. I I try to overachieve, uh, try to you know overperform because I have a tendency to overwork myself because I want to prove mm. that I am worthy of 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 people's love and attention. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. It's always a pleasure to get together with you and visit our guests to hear their story and see what God is up to in their life and ministry. The last time we got together, thankful to welcome Gabra Grace into the studio to talk about the ministry that he and his wife, Etna, have with Campus Crusade for Christ, which is actually called Crew. That's actually the official title of the ministry, because I'm an old guy, sometimes get stuck with the <laughs> Campus Crusade for Christ, a ministry that Bill Bright and his uh, wonderful wife, Vonette, were with for so many years. Who hasn't seen the Four Spiritual Laws, the little booklet <laughs> that has led many people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and has been used around the world? Gabra, how many languages do you know has it been oh, translated? Gosh. It's over a oh, – gosh – a lot. That's I don't know. But what I know is the Jesus film is, is translated, which is also one of Crew's ministry, over 1,800 languages. My. I mean, the Wycliffe and, and Crew, Campus Crusade, is working together on yes. that to get to every language. It's so exciting. And let's also say as we start our show that there is an incredible amount of resources are available for listeners as they want to engage people in conversation with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Great tools, videos, and little short things you can use to initiate conversation with people. I had the privilege of attending one of your workshops this past uh, weekend. It was like an eight-hour class you were trying to cram into two. Right. And, <laughs> and so I felt like I was drinking from a fire hose, but you gave some really good insights and a good overall view. Mm-hmm. But there's some great resources, I think, too, that are right. apps you can get. Yeah. Well, I, actually, uh, we, we have a, a simple workshop called The Changing Face of Evangelism and the Webbing of a City. We teach how to start spiritual conversations because every person is on a, on, a, on a spiritual journey. They are either journeying toward God or away from God. And we can actually join them uh, in their journey by asking good questions, by exploring where they are and listening well. So this training is really equipping people on how to do that. If they want to know more, they need to visit churchmovements.com. It's a wonderful website, too, and we will give that out again at the end of the program today. And, of course, your personal website, another great resource for people to visit. Uh, Well, last time we got together, we unfolded your family history, a very cruel and brutal history Mm -hmm. in a time when the Nazis were invading Europe. You were born in Hungary. Mm -hmm. Uh, You lived in a communist state yourself after the Nazi regime crumbled. Then came the Soviet Empire, and you lived, in many cases, tried to live for your life in in Mm -hmm. a communist rural state. We don't even have an idea. Today's generation, there's a push in a a socialist, pre-communist state here in our country, in America. Right. Well, I mean, this is what I I feel that, you know, my first 25 years I lived under communism. The second 25 I've lived in in post-communism. 
And I kind of see signs that I live in pre-communism now since four and a half years ago we moved to the U.S. It's kind of like there are a couple of signs that are very concerning. Now I know that, that every country is different and, and the U.S. is different than, you know, we don't have the Soviet empire to come here and, and take um, over the U.S. But there are internal processes that, uh, that are happening that's alarming. Yes. And I think we are, at best, we are in a, a crucial time for the Church of Jesus Christ Absolutely. to remain faithful to its mandate Absolutely. to make disciples of all nations. Right. Sometimes I feel that uh, the U.S. Church got a little bit unguarded about what's, what's going on in the culture right now. We're, we're surprised by it. And uh, 200 million of this nation, 200 million Americans are on church right now. 160 million says they don't believe in God or they don't believe they don't believe in the Bible and that number is growing 4% every year 4000 churches closest there is a, a trajectory that's very alarming and all this this has happened why we were doing bible studies why we were sending missionaries to the world why we were building our churches and how did this happen while in other parts of the world we're much less re- resourced, like in Indonesia, millions are coming to the Lord. Yes. Wow. Gobber, we left the show last time we got together, I think on a high note, it was how you came to faith in Jesus Christ and the beginning of you being discipled with a missionary couple who were living in your country under different occupation, but who discipled you and you got excited about sharing your faith. You even were arrested at one time, which was a whole new experience for you. But the joy, it seemed like the joy was still there. The joy wasn't taken from your life. So what had taken place in your life, the living word that came in, Jesus Christ, who became your Lord and Savior, you knew there was something different. This wasn't just a religion because you had been raised in a state to believe there is no God. Right. And on top of that, you know, all the we talked about the the abusiveness of my father and all the ordeal that happened there. It was such a. To me, experiencing God as a father through the invitation of Jesus Christ into the family of God's family, it literally to me became a family because there was no other family. Yes. Okay. My mother's second marriage was falling apart and that was also brutal. And the only hope, I just ran to God like a little child for everything, for health to be able to to speak uh, because I stuttered, for provision, everything. And uh, the only thing you had that one day, and you trusted the Lord, and you the next day, and you trusted the Lord. God became very, very real. So real that after, you know, for nine years, I have not seen my father after I ran away because it was life-threatening for me. But after nine years, I, I thought, I need to go back and forgive him. My mom was very upset with me that I want to go back. Even today, she, she, she tells me, although now she's a believer, I said, I don't know how you were able to go back to your father and forgive him. My father passed away 11 years ago. And uh, I wanted to go back because I did not want to live in prison. Yes. Okay. I was in prison by this unforgiveness and this, this uh, uh, bitterness that I had and fear. So I had to go back and forgive him. And I kept the relationship Although he he always cussed me out, and, and when he died, he excluded me from his last will. Everything went to his present wife, right? And and those children that was not his children, which is so sad because 
not because of me, but because he did not respect his own mother uh, to pass something his own grandchildren, even just a, a little memory. Okay, that's fine. I mean, it's you know. But you discover this that you said this new family that mm-hmm. was totally different than what you had experienced. In the process of that, there became another. Uh, a little ray of sunshine that began to sneak into your life. You, you met Edna. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, we met we met uh, in the underground movement of Campus Crusade in the 80s. Uh, I fell in love with her because she was so enthusiastic about evangelism. And it's just like, I love to share my faith. I want to live my life with someone who also <laughs> loves to share her faith. Yeah. And, and, and uh, she's coming from a, a great Christian background. Now, was she willing to live in a tent like you and your buddy were that we talked well, about last that, time? Well, uh, she was too young at that time. Okay, so she's, I was 18, she would have been 15 at that time, or 19 and 16, so I don't think her parents would have appreciated that. Uh, so you, you meet Edna, when did the spark begin? Immediately? Was it a process? Or? It, was, it was a process. It was a process. As, as I, I recognized her, her heart for the Lord and for the lost, uh, that, that Okay, this is this is a woman that I want to love, and and we went through an incredible journey, and she proved to be who I thought she was. And she had her own backstory too, right. from living in a communist state. As right. we mentioned, her grandfather right. was a Baptist minister that went to prison for handing out Bibles. He was kicked out. Uh, he was interrogated. He uh, he was kicked out from the ministry. Uh, he had to work as a unskilled worker but he was he was just a very meek person humble and meek person who just trusted in the lord yeah. and he said well we're gonna we're gonna trust in in the one who who judges justly there was a couple that came to hungary in the late 80s dave and karen robinson who very dear friends with right. and uh, still and yeah you work together now yeah. as you moved here to the kansas city area but their new leadership in the ministry at, of course, Campus Crusade, known as Crew, that brought you some hope, too. So tell me about their arrival and, and, and how that impacted your excitement for the ministry. Right. Well, actually, actually, uh, Dave is 10 years older than I am. He's kind of he, like a big brother then. Right. He's, he's, he became a big brother to me. Dave is a, is a very passionate, visionary leader and um, really talented, always inspired faith. You know, after we came on staff of first year, okay, I I felt devastated. I mean, we wanted to leave staff. I mean, I thought, I mean, this is crazy that we're doing this, you know. But he said, no, don't leave. He always inspired faith. When when, I, when there was a new leadership challenge for me, I had to take over uh, the, the leadership in Hungary in 2004, and, and the ministry was in a very, very difficult spot. Everybody told me, don't do it. But he said, no, have faith and do it. So he always inspired me to do the impossible with the nothing I have. <laughs> okay. We need people like that to stretch us, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, and, and uh, you know, I've, I've learned a lot of leadership skills from him and a, a lot of faith. Uh, we worked together, you know, after 35 years. We know each other for 36 years, actually. And and we, we still work work together and, and actually love each other. <laughs> well, having those relationships is so important in our life that we have mentors, people that we can cry on their shoulders, pray together. And, and one more thing about that is that, the, the, you know, the number one thing why people leave the mission field is the other missionary. Exactly. Yeah. And, and 
for two people from different cultures, growing up completely differently, uh, working together in great unity, and and kind of helping each other's work. Yeah. Uh, I think this is this should be a model for the body of Christ. It's possible. I think so. I think that's a great word because having personally experienced life on the mission field with my family, you know, and those who have never gone like and, and served in that capacity before, and maybe those in church might view somebody in, in the, as a missionary, is a, a holier than thou, or you know, I mean, right. we're people, absolutely, with the same struggles, absolutely, the same burdens, the same heartache and things we have to deal with, you know, right. in life. Uh, we're just following what we believe God's called us to do, right. you know, in, in a work in a field or another location. But it can be a very lonely place. Oh, to yeah. Be. Yes. It, 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 is, it is lonely. One of the factors, beside of all the missional elements that pulled us here and, and why we said yes to, to, uh, to this challenge that we have received from crew leadership to co-lead church movements with Dave, was not only the reality of the U.S., but... I said, it's more important who I work with than what I'm doing. Because I saw too many times that people gave up what they were doing because the, the team was the wrong team. Yes. So at least 60% of the mission is who are you doing this with. Yes. If you, want to, if you do it alone, you're going to fail. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And the right team is absolutely critical. It is. so, And, and having people in leadership in the team is so critical, too. Because sometimes leaders can get into a position just because they've been there. Right. But they don't have the ability to really lead. Yeah. And they actually become a deterrent right. for ministry to really flow and to work. I've seen it myself. Right. You know, you know but my, one of my observations uh, about the, you know, for so long being in the ministry and it's 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 not not just U.S. wide. It's it's global. the the lack of leadership in the church, or the and I, and I hate to say this, and but I I stand by this statement. the the poor leadership in the church is staggering. Mm. It's staggering, and it's it's not just in the church. It, in in ministries, in missions, uh, just because someone is a holy person and can. Teach the Word of God, it doesn't mean they are good leaders. No, it does not. It, it takes so much more. Yes. We've got to be more careful on <laughs> how we appoint people to leadership uh, roles. Absolutely. And, and, and it goes back to, to something that I think we adopted. Uh, it kind of, we, we went to, uh, into this, you know, in, in Ephesians 4, Paul says that God gave five gifts to equip the saints for the ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherd, teachers. And what happens in the church, we hire the shepherd teachers. Yes. Okay. But those who have the apostolic gift, not in a capital A, right. but in a small A, who are the sent ones who are pioneering into new territories, or the evangelists, they don't get hired. Right. So what they do, they, they start their own thing. So the, so the leadership capacity that it's there yes. in the pioneering ministries yes. are never brought into, into the local church. That is a good insight, Derek Hopper. Very good insight. Well, your life story is really a, a testimony that Jesus is about doing the impossible, as we shared last time, as he continues to do. Because it's, it's the impossible to all of us, because right. referring back to Ephesians says, you know, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. He came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly because we were dead. We needed his life to be revived from the right. dead. C.S. Lewis 
was quoted by saying, it is only our daily bread we are encouraged to ask for. The present is only time in which any duty can be done or any grace received. What have you discovered about God's grace in your life? Well, gosh, I mean, in so many ways, uh, I could I could be the testimony on, of that. That well, one living in a mission in mission for thirty years, you know, day to day, God provides impossible legal, financial, staff issues, ministry issues. But but let me let me let me say something: how we experience God in a very personal way through our kids, our first child. The doctors told us that we have to abort her because she's going to be handicapped or she, she they said third of her brain is missing and there's a hole in the brain it, it it remained all throughout the pregnancy and so many people prayed but but we told we told the doctors we're not going to abort her so we had to sign a paper and 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 I have the paper that we signed that we decline aborting the baby now that baby is a medical student she's the young lady that's in Scotland now that you mentioned on our last show that wants to become a doctor. Right, and <laughs> strong believer. So it's Beautiful. just like... There's the impossible story of Jesus. Right, right. <laughs> Another story. It's just like, you know, God provides every, every step of the way. Yes. And, and, and I could, or, or I could say, well, where I felt that, you know, inheriting a ministry with hundreds of thousands of dollars debt, okay, Seventy percent of the staff left. There was the staff morale was just down and, and, and no functioning in the ministry. And and saying yes because Jesus says feed my sheep. Mm. Okay. They're with the five loaves and the two fish, I have nothing. That's what I bring. And and, and the Lord turned around everything. And and uh in thirteen years later, you know, we had a surplus in in the bank account. We had, you know, five times as many staff we have five new ministries. There, there, there are miracles along the way. When we talk about grace, Gobber, have you found it difficult giving grace to yourself, especially through the patterns that have been rooted in your experience with your father? And how has that impacted your relationship with your children? Right. You know, my, my wife often asks me this question that, do you love yourself? Uh, because certainly sometimes it looks like that you don't. And, you know, Jesus says that love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, if you don't love yourself, how do you love your neighbor? So, yeah, it's, it's hard. I, I struggle with that, to give grace to myself. I, I try to overachieve, uh, try to, you know, overperform, because I have a tendency to overwork myself because I want to prove mm. that I am worthy of, of, of people's love and attention. Yes. So that's, that's definitely a trap that I'm struggling with. So I always need to watch my motivation. It's just like, do I want to prove something here? Or do I just want to love? And I'm, I'm doing this out of love. Uh, and it took a while for me to, to capture that reality. The, the other that comes with this, what I mentioned in the first show, is that uh, I always tend to ignore my pain so I would please others because how my father treated me. And it's just like, no, I, don't, I need to pay attention my, to my pain. You said it's not the suffering that should not have happened in your life story. It's the healing. What right. do you mean by that? Well, I, I mean that 
that the suffering is normal. You know, it's just like we kind of learn to accept it and embrace it. I mean, uh, a cancer or a tragic death or we lose a job or it just happens. So what's, what's kind of normal in the world is that we're facing toward death. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Uh, what's not normal is that actually there, there's healing on the way. Yes. So for me, I was, I, was, I was on the path to death because the doctors told my mom, by age, age of 18 or 20, I'm going to be I'm gonna dead. And the, the, the teacher told my mom, don't even send him to high school. Okay, he's just kind of stupid. He's stuttering. He kind of... So the healing that got, that surprised me. Well, actually, I don't stutter. Well, actually, I learned English. I actually able to communicate. I actually able to lead my life. Actually, I'm able to lead others. I'm able to teach. I'm able to give something. Yes. That's what's not normal from the background that I'm coming from. Oh, I love it. It's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful picture of the, the canvas, really, of art that God does when right. he creates and makes something beautiful. He makes all things beautiful right. in his time. Right. And sometimes our time of him doing it is not his time. Right. Because oftentimes his time is through the pressure cooker. Through oh, the yeah. crock pot of yes. life, you know, yes. waiting and, and and going through the times of suffering to discover that he, that he is sufficient, that right. he really is all we need right. in this life. And and, and 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 the other thing is, I would say that I've I've heard that somewhere, so it's not it's not my idea, but but I found this really true that that the three T's, you know, we need we need to talk. So we need we need pr- people that we can process our pain with. We need tears, and we need time. Wow. Because wounds don't heal quick. You know, when I broke my leg, it took eight eight weeks to to heal it. And and we can't expect that if there's a wound in our soul, well, I'm gonna just shake myself, and tomorrow I'm gonna be able to function the same way. Grace plus time. That's what's needed for healing yeah. and community. Mm. We, we, we're wounded in, in community, and we are healed in community. Mm. And I think, Gobber, too, that there's those listening possibly who have buried or tried to even bury the pain, the suffering of something that would tragically happen to them maybe as a child, in your case, the abuse from right. your father, and just thought, if, well, I ignore it and don't deal with it, it'll go away. It won't. Ultimately, it eats the inside, yeah. and it, it sends us in directions of life, sometimes calls us to take on habits and hang-ups right. that aren't healthy for us. No, and no. And that's not mean, what God designed for us. Yeah, I, I, I saw that way too many times, that people who you know, just oppress those things, they don't face that reality. Suddenly, in their 40s and 50s, they go through a divorce, addiction, uh, I mean, their mental breakdown, or some kind of tragedy happens. So that's why we need to honestly embrace those pains. And the first step is that, am I able to verbalize that and t- tell to someone? Tell to God. Yes. And, and even, you know, sometimes I, I, was, I was really upset with God. I mean, there were, there were times in my life where I said, I was struggling to forgive God, which is an 
incredible heresy even to mention that. But it, but but I I brought that pain to God and say, God, help me. And He's big enough to handle that. Right, right. <laughs> it's just like, just like David did in the in the Psalms and cried out that God, I mean, I don't like that what you do to me. Yes. Please, I don't understand you. But as you bring it to God, you bring it to the right place. Well, as we've mentioned uh, in part of our two day conversation here. Your title is executive director with the ministry crew in the church movements. Right. We don't have a lot of time, but I want you to kind of share a little bit yeah. about what you're doing. Right. I'm actually co-executive director with Dave Robinson. Right. Who you've actually co-written a book with, too. Yes. Uh, the Outrageous Promise. Actually, we lead church movements. Church movements is a, is a is one of the four mission critical components of crew, campus, leader-led, digital, and church. And we partner with churches to... Make Jesus known, multiply the church, and serve the city. We we come alongside of the churches to uh, in in two main two main areas. One is how can we equip every single believer to start spiritual conversations where they work, live, and play, and also how can we equip leaders to help multiply the church and multiply missional communities in the church. So th- there there are a lot of aspects. I mean, more can be found on churchmovements.com. Uh, we have we have online trainings and we have we have in person trainings. We use great tools we uh, that we have contextualized from uh, from the whole world that we brought it into the best evangelism expertise. Yes, it's a great resource there, and also your website too. Right, which is which is Grace, my family name, G R E S Z four like F. O-R, city, graceforcity.com. It's a great resource, and I encourage our friends to stop by the website. Both of those websites, the Church Movement website, in addition to your personal website. God bless Grace. God bless you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for what you're allowing Christ to do through you and Edna, through your ministry with Crew, and thank you for coming and helping us here in America. We need all the help we can get. <laughs> well, uh, it's, a, it's a privilege to be here. God bless you. You too. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's Mid-South Viewpoint. The program you just heard is available at BotRadioNetwork.com or on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher. If you have suggestions for upcoming episodes, please email btyler at BotRadioNetwork.com. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure when you visit our website to look for other programs available on our network to help you build a relationship with God through Jesus Christ.